Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest installment of H2 Tech Talk. Today we are joined by Jan Basoff, the co-founder and CEO of Neoionic Technologies, and Arturo Poegbo, the CCO. How are you both doing today? Doing great, uh, Tyler. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Um, thanks for asking and, and thanks for joining. Uh, well, glad to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, tell me and the, the audience about new ionic technologies and your role with the company. Jan, how about you start? Sure. Um, and uh, Tyler, if you don't mind, I think I'll start with a little bit before new ionic, kind of what spurred the start of this is for me, um, as a young engineer, I'm from South Africa originally, South Africa being a, uh, an economy that was largely built on the back of coal as its primary energy feedstock and worked for a company that, uh, that really uh, used coal as the feedstock into uh, converting it into chemicals and, and fuels. And uh, the town that I lived in, you could see this town and smell the town. Um, you know, you, you would smell the town long before you would see it. You would see the air above the town long before you even reached the town. And just a lot of air pollution as a result of the use of coal as feedstock. And I'll never forget uh, one day walking into the office, and it was during the time when we were switching our primary feedstock from coal to natural gas, uh, getting a natural gas from Mozambique, and they had connected the pipeline and were switching over. And uh, I had a profound experience where, um, you know, as I'm walking in, I just realized something is different about the air and about where I am, and, and I just felt like it was, okay, it's just a great spring morning, but... Um, I look up and I see that we had turned off the gasifiers and we had taken in natural gas and just eliminating coal as feedstock meant that there was an immediate and marked impact on the air quality. And, and I realized that day that I want to work in an area that eliminates pollutants, you know, out of the atmosphere, just because just because the impact on my quality of life from being able to breathe cleaner air. And so that's really what what spurred for me a lifelong passion for working in technologies and in areas that eliminates pollution. Um, and I, in 2016, I met uh, co-founder Jim Tranquilla, who had just been wrapping up with another startup venture uh, and had technology in the area of industrial microwave. Um, and we started getting going on this. And then COVID hit, you know, and I think collectively the whole world, uh, if there was one thing that was probably a silver lining that happened during the pandemic and lockdown was, I don't know if you remember, but there are all these pictures that were taken during lockdown of how clean the air is. You know, the first time you could see the Himalayas from uh, Delhi or, you know, how clear the skyline the mountains are behind the skyline of Los Angeles. And there are these stark differences in air quality, uh, normal day-to-day. And uh, as a result of lockdown, when all the cars and trucks and buses were off the road, um, you know, and that reinforced for me, we're in the right area. So that's really what got us going on New Ionic is the technologies we are developing and bringing to market contributes and provides solutions that result in cleaner air, you know, 
And, and our first target is how do we clean up uh, hydrogen production? Um, hydrogen production today is mostly from steam methane reforming. Uh, it's highly polluting. You, you're, you know, you're burning about a third of your feedstock in a fired heater and it results in all kinds of emissions. And we're eliminating that combustion emission by using industrial microwave as a, as a solution. Um, and so, you know, I think when we got going in 2016, it was, it was mostly around um, how do we use industrial microwave as a means to bring electricity or to provide a technology that allows the use of clean electricity as a feedstock, uh, an energy feedstock into the process um, and the chemical uh, industry. And so that's really where we got going and where the, the, the starting of New Ionic, you know, how, how, we, um, how we initially uh, came up with, uh, with, with the company. Um, so what I'll say is just, you know, kind of the, the genesis, I'll tell you the story about, about what, uh, when we started 2016, we initially did some work with a lab at the University of New Brunswick um, you know, tested uh, things in the in the a Department of Chemical Engineering with a professor uh, and a postdoc, and that ultimately resulted in a in a, an initial investment that allowed us to build um, a pilot scale reactor um, with the help of uh, local funding from the Atlantic uh, Canadian Opportunity Agency, uh, ACOA, um, and combined that with this investment from our initial funders with valent low carbon technologies and built the pilot scale reactor that enabled us to test the concept for basically accelerating chemical process across uh, catalytic reactions by, uh, by microwave. And that, that proved successful, uh, resulted all, and then in the next phase of ready for scale up to the larger reactor size, um, we got some traction with the results from that pilot plant, closed on a follow-on investment with a large strategic uh, investor out of the US. Um, and now in, in the process of commissioning and, and, and ramping up production on a commercial demonstration scale uh, version of that reactor that was initially just pilot plant and also getting, getting ready to deploy a unit with the help of a natural gas innovation fund and funding from them uh, to Calgary in Alberta to demonstrate the technology, um, you know, at the at the commercial demonstration scale. So, kind of that's a you know brief uh, background. My experience that landed us here, um, you know, quick overview of what got us here, and at the point now we were getting ready to commercialize. And, and really offer a product to the market. And that's, uh, I'll, I'll introduce Arturo because he, he really comes from a background of, of, um, of you know, equipment and, and technology sales uh, into the midstream industry. It's a key area of focus for us. Um, and as we're looking to package this technology and make a product offering into the market, um, he's, uh, he's helping us figure out business plan and product offering to our customers. That was a mouthful and probably more than you asked for, but yeah. it helps me to set up Arturo. It, it was, yeah, quite a bit, but um, <laughs> no, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we got we have your why now, and that's important. So, uh, Arturo, how, how about you give us your why? Sure. Um, I've been with New Ionic for about six months now. I joined in May of uh, 2023, and I'm leading the sales, marketing, and project execution effort uh, in our Tulsa office. I think Jan mentioned that his partner, Gene uh, Tranquilla, uh, is the head of our Canadian office, and that's the it's uh, located in New Brunswick, and that currently serves as the research and developing hub. Um, the team there, which is uh, mostly PhD engineers, um, is focused on uh, applications for microwave technology. Uh, GM Tranquilla, uh, the, our chief technology officer and, and founder, is a renowned expert on the area of microwave and plasma applications. Um, as Jan mentioned, we currently expanding our Tulsa office, and that's where Jan and I are uh, located. Um, we doing all the sales, marketing efforts, and the execution of projects, engineering and project management from uh, are, are being led from from this office. Uh, we consider ourselves Noionic as a technology and an equipment provider. Um, what we want to offer our customers is modularized package equipment that can be easily deployed on sites uh, on a distributed manner. Um, we consider our technology a pragmatic solution in this energy transition effort. Uh, what we're doing, what we offer uh, the microwave catalytic reforming is just a, a, an electrical version of a very well-known technology, the steam methane reformer. Um, we have replaced uh, the fire heater that is in the front end of that uh, um, process uh, with a reactor that uses electricity via you know, microwave energy. And... Uh, you know, this is the source of the energy required to produce the hydrogen. So the way that that we produce hydrogen is a much cleaner than the traditional um, the traditional way. By removing this far heater, uh, not only we reduce um, a source of CO2, but also more importantly, we reduce, we eliminate. Uh, a lot of uh, the criteria air pollens that uh, that are emitted on, on that fire heater. So we consider um, our hydrogen um, is better than the current blue uh, technology SMRs, and, but we still use fossil fuels, natural gas as uh, as a feedstock. So. We're sitting in between uh, blue and green, uh, and that's what we call our hydrogen teal. Um, just because everybody has to use a color for it. Although <laughs> what we like to really is to point people uh, about the carbon intensity of the hydrogen produced. I think that's a much better indicator of the how clean is the hydrogen produced. You have to put a color on it or that it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. So how about you explain? I mean, uh, you and Jan both spoke about the catalytic reformer microwave process. Why is that more efficient? 
yeah, maybe I'll 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 jump in there. Um, the thirty thousand foot view of why is it more efficient is because the microwave enables us to deliver the reaction energy, uh, which is required to convert methane from natural gas um, into hydrogen. Um, to deliver that reaction energy exactly where the reaction is taking place on the catalyst um, inside of our reactor. Typically in a conventional reformer, you know, we, the fired heater delivers that energy um, five steps removed from the catalyst. You've got the, the flame at the bottom of the fired heater heating up the flue gas that heats up the, um, the tubes, uh, the, this is a heat exchanger, that heats up the process gas on the inside, heating up the catalyst, then provides energy for the reaction. Um, we can deliver reaction energy at the speed of light targeted to exactly where it is needed. And that means that there's no waste heat being generated uh, from flue gas as a result of the energy being provided or as a result of the reaction. Um, we also have far more compact reactors. Fired heater typically less than 2% of the volume is taken up by the catalyst doing the work. We can significantly increase uh, that proportion, very little wasted space, very compact system means that the equipment is smaller. Smaller means less metal. Less metal means lower capital cost on the equipment. And so, it can be easily, much more easily modularly produced, fabricated, uh, shipped and transported onto a customer site and deployed, started up. It can also ramp up and down much quicker to load, um, to fight hydrogen and load following applications. So a number of benefits uh, to improve efficiency. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we've do done at New Ionic is to say, you know, we are intentionally not reinventing how hydrogen is made, but we are targeting the most polluting aspects of the existing technology. And most of the, in fact, all the emissions created from uh, hydrogen production is, is being emitted from the fired heating stack. Um, there's 40% of the CO2, all of the criteria, air pollutants like uh, Arturo referred to, uh, comes out of that stack, and those are all eliminated. We've got 40% less natural gas being required uh, to produce the same amount of hydrogen because I'm not burning any to fuel my reaction. And so first, right off the bat, got less fossil fuel needed to produce hydrogen. No criteria air pollutants because the fired heater is eliminated, and I don't need to um, you know, deal with not only the the invisible and daunting um, impact of uh, greenhouse gas emissions, but the very visible and real you know, pollutants that are being produced from fired heating, which are the SOX, NOx, particulate matter, you know, uncombusted fuel, um, carbon monoxide that fired heaters emit. Um, all of that, of course, eliminated by adopting an electrified strategy. Um, and so those are some of the aspects, you know, that that we look to um, leverage 
through electrification. And I just get back to this point I made about intentionally not reinventing the 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 uh, process. We we have adopted a strategy of saying, you know, 90% of the emissions come from this one area, which is combustion. And by adopting an, a, an industrial microwave approach to that one area and designing our reactors to be operating at the same conditions as what most of the industry practice is today, it means we have essentially a drop in replacement to existing steam methane reforming plants where 90% of the world's hydrogen is being produced. We can replace that existing reformer with an electrified reactor that has zero emissions associated with it. And all the CO2 that now remains, uh, which is about 60% of what you started out with, can be readily captured because it's available at much higher pressures. So there's some of the highlights, you know, of course, um, if you let so, me, I'll keep talking. So, <laughs> yeah, well, no, so well Tyler, uh, I just be, want to. Oh, go ahead, Arturo. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Um, what, I, what I wanted to add is, you know, those are the technical aspects of our value proposition. But then there is a commercial side to it as well, where, you know, we want to serve some customers that may not be served by the current major hubs or, or hydrogen plants that are in, in the queue. Uh, as we know, the, from the commercial and economical point of view, the current hydrogen production technologies have much better economics at a large scale. But then the distribution problem arises. Um, you know, there is not a clear path of how we're going to distribute hydrogen from these major hubs. And these major hubs, because they're building infrastructure, these major hubs will not serve all the customers. So you're going to have a good amount of regional customers that want to achieve you know, reduction in their carbon footprint, but they won't be connected to this infrastructure. This is where our value proposition is different uh, because we want to leverage and redeem the natural gas infrastructure that is in place. I mean, it took us hundreds of years to build that infrastructure. And we want to produce the hydrogen close to the end user by leveraging this gas infrastructure. So our value proposition is to deliver low cost, low carbon hydrogen that is being produced at a distributor scale close to the end users. And we have that technology available now. So from the commercial point of view, that's what we bring to the table, which differentiate us from the current uh, current technologies. Yeah, Tyler. Uh, sorry, I don't want to. If you if you if you want to jump in here, feel free. I just I think Arturo makes a great point. It's often overlooked in this discussion. Is you know it's taken us a hundred years to build the natural gas infrastructure that we have today in the U.S. It's more than a trillion dollars in 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 uh, infrastructure, and it is a daunting task ahead of us if we're going to transition our economy 
to uh, low carbon fuels to try and uh, supplement or replicate that, that infrastructure for hydrogen. And our philosophy is we've got to redeem our existing infrastructure and, and offer solutions that can, that can utilize what we have today, um, but, but get us there in terms of decarbonization. I mean, so your, I mean, your goal would be, I mean, I guess you're saying, or what I'm hearing here is, we don't want to waste all the efforts that we put into natural gas infrastructure. So instead of going straight renewables, green hydrogen route, and, you know, there's some kind of middle ground here with your technology and the teal hydrogen. Well, I think, uh, I, yes, well, with the exception that I think, in, I would not say instead of, I think we... We need to keep the foot on the accelerator as society, as industry, 100% on building out green hydrogen um, and renewable electricity production and getting, and, and, and getting green hydrogen, the cost down on it, making it more widely available. We need to be all in collectively as society on that. Um, in addition to what we're doing there um, we also have to say, what do we do between now and the 5, 10, 15 years into the future when the green hydrogen becomes more widely available as a commodity that's readily you know, um, available in the market? And that's where we come in. We just see ourselves as, as serving a niche in the market that is a transition in transition. We need solutions that, are, that can't wait for those customers who can't wait you know, for hydrogen to show up in the pipeline at their doorstep, but need to meet decarbonization goals, you know, on a two, four, and five-year time frame, we have a solution. Yeah, I mean, because, of course, we're, we're a ways away. I mean, cost is a big deal. I'm sure I don't have to tell you all when it comes to green hydrogen production. So um, you're, you're offering a segue not to because it's going to take several different technologies and processes to reach the carbonization goals anyways. It's not just going to be a one thing, right? Absolutely. And I think that's, that's the strength of the economy we have today is that, you know, we have options when it comes to our, um, the energy landscape. Uh, whenever we bet on a single source for energy, you know, the cost of building the required reliability on one energy source makes that a, is, is astronomical. But we have to embrace, you know, the things that reduce carbon footprint, because at the end of the day, we're looking to decarbonize the economy. And so absolutely, we need multiple approaches. And I think this is a, an opportunity and a space where there is room for, you know, more than one way to approach uh, and, and solve this puzzle. And some are near-term solutions, some are longer-term and, and large infrastructure and strategic solutions. We cannot afford to do divert resources one in, at cost of the other. You know, I think the energy crisis, the climate crisis we're in, absolutely requires that we start today without keeping taking our eye off of where we need to be in 30 years. 
Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of H2 Tech Talk. Part two of this episode will be released next week and will cover situations where new ionics teal hydrogen solution will be the best fit.